over the world. There's different styles, and that's what you've seen. It's finally here. The semifinals of the Bay Young Classic. I got off the top all the way to the outside. Not happy about it. Which face her? Oh, my God. Most, most beautiful and dangerous pirate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the special edition of the Hitting the Marks for Saturday, September 9th, 2017. <laughs> As some of you know that we had some technical difficulties with episode two, so we're bringing you this special bullet points edition of the show with some news that's broken since Wednesday, as well as a review preview of the May Young Classic quarter and semifinals leading up to the final this Tuesday, live on the WWE Network from Sin City. This is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world, talking creative, the business aspects of the professional wrestling business, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. You can contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'll joined alongside my boy RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. Rick Vickery here, ready to go. But I'll tell you what, you just have to keep bringing up the technical difficulties, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of my well, thing. All right. Well, for the, the special edition of Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, I've got my earphones engaged, and I'm ready to rage. So let's jump in. Let's do this. All right. We're going to kick things off. Uh, going into the show on Wednesday, we didn't have the ratings from the week because things were delayed a little bit due to Labor Day. Uh, just going to give you a real quick rundown of the ratings for the week. Monday's Labor Day edition of Monday Night Raw yeah. drew a two. Yeah, hold on here. Hold on here. New. I said I'm ready to rage. Let's do this. And you want to start talking numbers? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if the Good Brothers were here, you know, they would inform us that we are just a bunch of nerds. And they would be right. They would be right. So hey, hey, we like going inside the business, and that's what the numbers are. So, so let's uh, let's dive into them. Monday night drew a two point zero nine down from the prior two weeks, two point two three and two point two nine. That was to be expected a little bit with it being the Labor Day edition. The Labor Day edition last year, though, drew a two point one one rating after drawing a two point three eight and two point three ratings the prior two weeks. So the drop-off this year was a little bit less, but the final rating was lower. So there is a silver lining in there, at least for the WWE. Uh, This rating was just a little bit below the 2.12 average so far for 2017, and the uh, 2.13, which is the 10-week rolling average coming in. Uh, The reason that we're bringing it up this week, the most interesting stat was the drop-off between the first and the third hour, which was 319,000 people this week. Uh, That's way above the average of 233,000. 221,000 and 200,000 were the prior two weeks. So basically what this is telling us, Big Show and Braun Strowman did not hold the audience. Any comments there, Rick? What's really surprising there is, you know, as we mentioned on the show Thursday, they really did a good job of hyping that match. 
Yeah, so I thought the build to it was good. And building it up. But I, I guess apparently we saw something that, that the others didn't because they didn't stick around for it. Well, I guess the biggest question would be, why did they have the match? I mean, that's why did people care about the match? I mean, get, given Big Show's standing in the company right now, given Braun's standing in the company right now, the question becomes, why do I care about Big Show and Braun Strowman? And evidently, people didn't. Well, you know, especially we've seen this so many times already. And just throwing the cage around it is an extra gimmick. Apparently, that wasn't enough of a hook to hold an audience. Uh, Tuesday's night uh, SmackDown rebounded to 2.582 million viewers. That's up 5% from uh, last week. Uh, the show was fifth in the night for total viewers on cable, second in the 18 to 49 demo with a 0.8 rating. Uh, SmackDown was uh, beat up pretty good by American Horror Story, which averaged 3.933 million viewers and drew a 2.02 rating. Um, the first time ever number one contenders match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton headlined SmackDown. Uh, show was up 5% over the year-to-year rating as well for the September 6, 2016 episode, which did 2.455 million viewers. So SmackDown's up. Uh, I expect SmackDown to beat Raw in the ratings this week, don't you think? Well, you've got you've got Monday Night Football kicking off on obviously going head-to-head with Raw there. And SmackDown with this week, you know, they had that great main event announced. But then through the show, they had, you know, they, they hit you with some quick things, and they had that strong narrative that ran throughout, which was telling that story leading you into next week. So they're going to have that great rollover. I'm expecting SmackDown to have a, a tremendous week. I expect a really good showing out of SmackDown. I'm interested to see how and how much they hype SmackDown during Raw this week. Uh, also on Raw, coming up this week, there's only one thing I know of going on on Raw this Monday, and that's Roman Reigns' John Cena Part 3. Uh, part 2.5 took place on Twitter over the last couple of days. Rick, I know you got some thoughts on it. Let them have it. Uh, this this game of sophomore grab dick is, you know, now it's evolved into a, a digital gra- a game of grab dick. Uh, the program is it's only going on for two weeks, and I'm already to the point I'm ready to throw my hands up and just be done with it. They're not doing anything to interest me here. The pandering's over the top. It's almost like it's, it's off the tracks already. But I, I was sitting thinking about, you know, why are they going in this direction with it? What is the reasoning behind it? And then it hit me. In recent weeks, months, where have we seen two super fierce competitors acting like juvenile fools to get themselves over. Where have we seen this? Sounds like Mayweather versus McGregor to me. It's right on it. They were doing the exact same thing, hyping their fight up. And whoever was watching that from WWE, and I got a feeling that Vince was all over something like this. You know, he was just, he was going crazy for it. See, I think you get I think you're giving Vince too much credit. I don't think Vince watched any of it. I, I just I can't see Vince McMahon watching anything involving a boxer and a UFC guy. 
I don't think so much that it was the boxing that appealed to him. It was the over-the-top production and how they were going about it and promoting it. I really wish WWE would incorporate more of that style of hype. Oh, I would love to see the press conferences like that for, for those big events. GFW did that. What That was Lashley and EC3, wasn't it? Where they did the big press conference standoff that was all UFC style, like a work shoot promo. Yeah, yeah they did that then. And then they do it all the time over in Japan, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything in Japan as far as promo work goes is done in front of the media. Like a, a, a football player being interviewed after a game. Yeah, see, to me, that's just one of those small, I don't know, it's just one of those small details that just really makes your product pop. It's how you incorporate sports presentation into professional wrestling. I mean, it's the most logical thing that you could do, which is probably why the WWE doesn't do it. Well, I, you know, when WWE is looking at it, they weren't looking at probably how it was being presented. They were just looking at the content. They're just seeing McGregor and Mayweather up there, you know, just verbally abusing one another and Mayweather jumping around and running around like an idiot. And I, and I think they loved it. And they wanted to go with their two big names in this big upcoming super fight, if you will. And, they, and they're just mimicking it. They're trying to present them both as alpha males. And it's just falling short for me. The, the more and more it goes on, it's just falling short. I really, really liked it the first week, but as it's going on, it's Reigns is just not that individual to go up against Cena. I'm just waiting for the Reigns character to say the hell with this and just knock the shit out of him. I mean, that's the Roman Reigns character. Let's fight. Well, that should have been the John Cena character last week when he, when he just leaned back against the ropes and Roman's like, hey, you want to go, let's go. Yeah, you know, in that typical position there, that's when Cena, you know, ripped off the, the armband, wristband or whatever, and he said, hey, let's throw down. Yeah, you that's mean to tell me if Floyd Adam. McGregor, if, if Floyd Mayweather looked at McGregor and said, hey, man, you want to go, let's fucking go. You mean to tell me that McGregor wouldn't walk up there and hit that son of a bitch in the mouth? Oh, yeah. No, he'd stand, now, the other he'd way, stand the back other way, and smirk at him and go, huh, Now, the other way around, today. though, Mayweather probably would have been like, yeah, you know, screw you, man. This ain't worth, this, I ain't getting a dime out of just knocking you out right here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait my time. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing just sits off to me. Uh, one of the big well, things well, that I wanted to punch this episode out for, we thought that we had another week between the quarterfinals and semifinals of the Mae Young Classic and the finals, but it turns out that the finals are going to be Tuesday, live on the WWE Network at 10 p.m. <coughs> Eastern Time, right after SmackDown. Uh, how do you feel about them punching the finals in right after SmackDown on the network come Tuesday? It really speaks that they really want to hammer home that Sim City episode. You're going to have, hopefully that crowd is hot. Because you, you really see a drop-off usually during the 205 Live. That's but my question. They, are, are people going to get up and leave after SmackDown? Why, uh, to me, I, w- I would have rather seen the finals take place at a takeover. Where you're going to have that hot crowd who's into it. 
I think that would have been the best scenario, but they are really hyping up this show. So hopefully we get a great close, and that's going to keep people held over. And if they do enough in-house in that arena during the breaks and all that, make sure they're really hyping up, hey, you want to stick around and see this. This is going to be something special. See, I completely disagree. I think they've done a terrible job of hyping this show. Hell, it wasn't oh, until... No, no, no. At this point, I think I agree with you there. You know, this thing, is, it's popped out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah, it but wasn't until Thursday that I knew the finals were on Tuesday. I'm talking Tuesday while they're in the arena, you know, before the before SmackDown airs and while it's at break. Make sure you're constantly got graphics up on the drawn in-house to let that audience there know that they want to stick around. Don't plan on just bailing on us right away. Man, that would be just terrible if they end up with a 205 Live kind of crowd. I don't even know if 205 Live is airing on Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised if they bumped it. I would think all, they would have been hyping the shows on, Vegas, on both so shows. Got that time difference. I would have thought you would want at least a week to hype this event final on both shows. It just seems like they're Oh, well, we put out all the content. We got a big show in Las Vegas, so let's just go ahead and throw the women out there after SmackDown. Why not, why not do it on SmackDown? I think that probably would have been your, your best bet. But, you know, they've, they've built this thing up so much for a network special. But why wouldn't you want to put all eyes on it that you, know, that you possibly could grab? I mean, could you imagine you got the three title matches and then you got the finals of your May Young Classic? And Vince McMahon, all in two hours. Man, would have made for a great episode. It would probably would have been the best episode of SmackDown, possibly, since they done the brand split. Oh, I think hands down, yeah, it would. Be. I mean, I was even thinking back. To, I mean, this is the SmackDown you know, heroes. It might have been one of the best episodes ever. This is the SmackDown pay per view. I, they, they had so long after SummerSlam between SummerSlam and their next pay-per-view, this episode of SmackDown, it's like you're getting a pay-per-view on TV. Yeah, because we're still a month out from their next event. Right. Hmm. So, so what's the, the quarterfinals? What did, you, what did you think of them? Well, the quarterfinals were put up on the network. Uh, we were going to review them this coming week, but... With the finals being on Tuesday, that seemed kind of pointless. Um, I thought the quarterfinal matches themselves were fine, with the exception of one. Uh, I was not a fan of the Shayna Baszler and Candice LeRae match, but I don't think anybody expected me to be a fan of that match. I knew I wasn't going to be a fan of the match going into it. What was it that really set you off against it? Shayna no-sell Baszler. I mean, they let Candace dominate the entire match, which is fine. I, I understand the story that they told, but Baszler no-sold everything. The, the finishing sequence was fantastic. Going from Miss LeRae's wild ride into that rear naked choke, that looked great. But the rest of the match just, it made Candace seem like a giant pussy. Like, she kicked the shit out of Shayna Baszler, and Shayna Baszler no-sold all of it. That seemed to, that seemed to have been the case quite a few times throughout this tournament where you see that 
that they set up through the match. And then the finishing sequence, she chokes Candace out, but she doesn't release the hold. Which just drove me insane. I felt like the referee should have reversed his decision, disqualified Baszler, put Baszler over as this freaking monster who doesn't care. And then Candace moves on into the semifinals and you get the final that I think everybody really wanted to see of Candice LeRae and Kari Sane. I was saying, you know, when Candice was eliminated, you know, a lot of fans in attendance and, and many around the globe, you know, it's like their hearts were just crushed there. She was definitely, she's definitely a, a huge fan favorite. I mean, you, you could have had Baszler still choke out Candice. And then when she refused to release the hold, have the referee be like, no, this, this tournament is better than that. You are disqualified. Candace moves on and you're left with Baszler as this absolute pissed off monster who now has a chip on her shoulder because she knows she should have won the Mae Young Classic. It would have been great creative going forward and you keep all the fans happy by giving them the final that they actually want to see. Well, that's, well, that's a, a much better story. You know, they're all about the PR machine and they can't be passed having, you know, the MMA horsewomen stand off against their WWE horsewomen. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the to the final uh, and what they, they plan on vision. doing with the horsewomen with the final being on Tuesday. Um, Mercedes Martinez and Abby Lath, did you have any thoughts on that match? I, I was happy with the match. I was happy with the match. I wish Mercedes would have sold that arm injury that she suffered to Princess Suhey. It was like that never even happened in the previous round. Would have liked to seen her come out taped up, maybe favor a little bit or something. Well, another, you know, it's just another spot where they missed an opportunity to grab onto a good story and run with it there. Um, Mercedes Martinez goes over there. Uh, that surprised me a little bit. I thought Abby would move on one more round. Being I was happy seeing Mercedes go over. I, I think, no, I, I truly think she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world. I would sign her and put and, her on TV tomorrow. I think well, her and no Abby spring, both are ready to go. She's no spring chicken, and she's getting up there at that age where you know, they, they might, because of that, they might not give her an opportunity. Uh, Piper Niven goes down to Tony Storm. Uh, I'm still not impressed by Piper Niven. She doesn't do anything for me. She's got a huge following. Uh, there's a lot of people out there supporting her. Well, I, 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 I think... She hasn't done anything to overwhelm me, but I can see where there's some markability there with her. So then that, that might give her, you know, get her her shot. The unpopular opinion of the day is if Piper Niven were 200 pounds lighter, you wouldn't give her a second look. The only reason that she has the following that she does is because of that BBW audience. If, if she was another female talent that was 160 pounds, she would just be another female talent. And I don't think that the oh. reason to push somebody is just because they're fat. Unpopular opinion of the day. It's a business mindset where you know marketing matters quite a bit to them and they've got something that they can flaunt to the pc warriors 
that can run out there and pound their chest that they're doing this that they're so noble and they're moving forward it's, you know, it's how they work all the time really you know, like they're going to play with it I really like Tony Storm. I finally realized that her gimmick is she's the long-lost member of Motley Crue. Uh, Kari Sane defeats Dakota Kai. Love this match. The amount of cuteness in this match is absolutely what WWE and NXT want on their product. Little girls everywhere are going to love both of those girls. Huge selling point. Get that younger audience. They give them something relatable to them. Get the little girls behind them. Semifinals. You know, so, oh, I saw that thing work so well with Bailey before they just botched the hell out of it. Yeah, before they shit the bed. Uh, semifinals. Shayna Baszler defeats Mercedes Martinez. Any thoughts on the match? I, those two girls were physical. I wasn't surprised by the outcome. Uh, they, you know, they they did get in there and they mixed it up very well together. Hard hitting. Wasn't surprised by the outcome, but a bit disappointed. I was hoping that Mercedes would maybe get that nod, get that recognition that, that she's earned. I didn't the like, there, but. What I didn't like about this match was, number one, that Shayna Baszler shook hands with Mercedes before the match and the embrace between the two afterwards. The, the, the whole tournament, Baszler has been booked as this monster who doesn't respect anybody and then she gets and in the ring with Mercedes, and it, obviously there's a history there between the two. I Now is not the time or place to get in <laughs> to all of that, but they're actually in a stable together. But if you're not going to talk about that and put that fact over hard during the commentary, which, again, you have terrible commentary for this event, I, I didn't see the point to it, and it feels like it just really hurts the Baszler character to me. Right, it's what well, didn't fit the narrative, and then you just kind of, you know, shit the bed on building her up as this entire time. God damn notifications! I swear to God, I love my Mac, but I hate Facebook notifications. God, even when <laughs> I shut them off, they still hit me, blow my goddamn eardrums out. Uh, the other big angle coming out of this match, of course, is the buildup of the horsewomen. They they did show that footage. Um, what did you think of that entire little vignette? I wasn't blown away by it. It really didn't move me, strike any interest in a possible program between the two. I didn't I like how it was done at all. You know, the writing was on the wall. So long for this. The WWE girls go walking up to the UFC girls. The UFC girls call them out. The WWE girls walk away. It just, it really seemed like the UFC girls were the alphas. And I'm not sure that that's the message that you want to put across on TV. The whole, I, I, the production of it just, it was so, was so awful. Like you're saying, it, it, you could have made such a grander presentation out of it. It almost seemed like someone was just back there like, hey, let's just throw this together and shot it on, on their phone or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's very it much was, what it felt like. It was, it kind of came off in that sense as like some cheesy, like 70s or 80s territory programming. Yep. Uh, the other semifinal, Kari Sane defeats Tony Storm. 
So your finals are set, Baszler and Sane. I don't really have a whole lot to say about Kari Sane versus Tony Storm other than the match was incredible. Go watch it. They're two of the best ones that were in this tournament. I'm not surprised that it was a fantastic match. It was exactly what I expected, and it delivered. Tremendous match, and we're going to see a lot more for these from these two in, in the WWE. I'm sure of that. So you're left with the Baszler Sane final. Uh, who do you think wins, and what is the benefit of putting that talent over? Well, as I've been talking about, you know, during this entire conversation, it's going to go right back to marketing for WWE, and Baszler's going to Baszler's going to go over here. They're going to want that magic moment. They're going to bring in Rousey and the other horsewomen into the ring with them. Of course, you know, Triple H, Stephanie will be there. They're going to have that big WWE warming moment. And that's that's what they're going to want there. They're going to be able to, you know, that's going to translate perfect over to the ESPN and other sports outlets and mainstream media. That's got to be the route they're going here. I disagree. I think Kari Sane wins the tournament. Uh, I think in a micro sense, Baszler going over makes the WWE a bunch of money right now. I think in the macro sense, Kari Sane being the first winner of this tournament makes them a lot more money in the long run by establishing her as a star. Uh, the same way Jazzy Gabbert went down in the first round, Baszler doesn't need to win this tournament. The horsewomen angle doesn't need her to win this tournament. Her path to stardom is made. I think Sane has to win this tournament. You're giving them, I think you're giving them too much credit for long-term yeah. planning. Yeah, probably. Probably. When, when they really haven't given us They haven't given me any reason, reason to believe, to believe in that. that. Right. I think it's the smarter move. I think it's the smarter business move. Now, a thought just occurred to me. What are the chances that they roll out that NXT Women's Championship during this tournament? I hate that idea. I hate that idea so much. I, I don't I don't I don't personally like it, but I'm thinking back, you know how that last minute they announced that the cruiserweight classic would be for a cruiserweight championship. Yeah, I but the difference is the cruiserweight division wasn't already established. That was them establishing the cruiserweight division. Um, I, I think I it just, would be a huge insult. Something along those lines. I think it would be a huge insult to talents like Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, um, Nikki Cross, if they parade out the NXT Championship for that. Uh, what I'm not opposed to is them having whoever wins this tournament as one half of a match to determine who the NXT women's champion is. I could just see them thinking, let's put, let's put the belt on Baszler. Now we've got our, our shiny women's championship in all these photo ops. And then when she comes into NXT, you kind of do have a, a story built there as you were talking about the other women, how disrespectful to them. That, you know, it puts a lot of heat on this new monster Baszler coming in to your promotion. Well, I think the problem there is I don't think Baszler's going to NXT. 
I think Baszler goes directly to the main roster. You bring her right up so you don't miss any of that any of that mainstream media opportunity. Well, not only that, but all of the talent that she's going to be feuding with is already on the main roster. She's she's already in a feud with Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte and Becky. Becky and Baszler is the match I want to see. <clears throat> that's the match I, I want to see. That's that's probably your starting point. I think that's really, where they start, so it wouldn't make any sense. To really sense. ignite that big, the big feud, the bigger feud. Yeah, if you're putting Baszler over, it makes absolutely no sense to introduce the NXT Championship. I think the only way the NXT Championship gets introduced is if they put the title on Sane, because I think Sane goes to NXT and replaces Asuka. So in that sense, then you don't want that that negative heat on Sane going in there. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm totally fine with say they do. Because, you know, WWE loves to do battle royals for title shots. Say they do some kind of a battle royal since everybody wants, you know, your women's rumble so bad. I know how much you love that idea, Rick. I know we'll, I know we'll talk on that later. We're trying to be quick here today, so we'll save that topic. Right, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do a women's battle royal with just the NXT women. Whoever wins that, be it Ember Moon, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay faces Kari Sane for the women's championship at the next takeover. Well, speaking to the Battle Royal, isn't that how they set up the women's match for uh, the show you went to in Chicago? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. They were four away, but Moon was actually injured during the Battle Royal. And then when Asuka came out and interfered, then they set it up. And that's where we got the triple threat. I swear to God, these fucking Facebook notifications. Mark Zuckerberg, I'm going to find you in your sleep and kill you. Uh, a couple other no- notes on the May Young Classic. Um, Hunter, Stephanie, Sarah Amato in the ring presenting flowers and all that to the winners. think we kind of called that on last episode, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think this tournament would have benefited from only being 16 women instead of 32? With how it was laid out, and I know we're going to try to transition to that here shortly, but, you know, it's good to see the expanded field, to see more people get an op- get an opportunity on such a platform. I, th- ultimately, this, I this feel like it was careers. bad for the tournament, though. Like, I wonder how many people watched the first round and was just like, I ain't watching any more of this shit because the wrestling just wasn't that good. Kind of got turned off to it. And I'm looking at it from the, you know, from the talent perspective. And ultimately, this, this is their careers. And even having a sip of coffee in the tournament rises their stocks on the open market. Which brings up an interesting point as we were, as you talk about the the sports presentation, what is the challenge of the sports presentation inside of the WWE narrative? I know there was a little bit of talk about this in the WrestleZone discussion group yesterday where somebody was suggesting bringing rankings into the, the WWE product. So wins and losses felt like they matter more, and maybe you would actually care about a match like Braun versus Big Show. I didn't see that thread. Actually, it sounds pretty interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. I, I feel like the problem with, with doing that is the WWE narrative is so far away from that now. Yeah, I, I just don't see where, you know, blatantly putting out stats and figures you know, and your W's and their L's and things of that nature 
it just doesn't really fit into the storyline arc. My response was, if you want that kind of storytelling, you need to watch some New Japan. Uh, and that's and that's precisely where you know they use they embed that in how you know they get from point A to point B in their stories, and it and it works for them. How do you? Where in WWE, in WWE they want you, and if you listen to to anyone that's worked close with Vince, you hear it time and time again. You know, one of his main mindsets when it comes to fans is, oh, they don't remember. You know, they forget, and they want you to forget things very quickly. You know, just just look at our, our WWE champion. They don't want you to remember <laughs> a year ago. Just worry about where he's at right now. And if they're constantly telling us how many losses he's had or, you know, opposed to what he's doing lately, it doesn't look all that impressive. Do you think that the tournament was released on the network too quickly? Do you like them dropping quarterfinals and semifinals at the same time? I mean, really, this whole thing took two weeks. Three weeks, I guess, by the time the finals hit. I really think it took away a lot of the magic that you would hope to have with something like this. I completely agree. Um, I, I, I think they should have just done... What was that? Well, I was going to say, you know, there wasn't that edge, that edge of your seat, can't wait until next week's feeling. No, there was none of that. None of that. They just pumped out the content. Um, I, I, I would have liked it where they released half of the first round one week, half the first round the next week, and dragged this thing out over the course of a month, two months, six weeks, something three weeks just feels like it was a chore to sit down and watch all of this boom 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 just so you're current in time for the finals on tuesday you see when it was when it was originally announced i thought they were going to do what you just mentioned and i thought they were going to build this out until you know perhaps like takeover survivor series yeah that's and then have the finals and then have the, the finals at that takeover like the cruiserweight classic where they were just dropping one hour a week and maybe that format didn't go over as well as, as that I'm thinking it did. But it seemed like there was a lot more excitement and magic around that cruiserweight tournament than we've seen here with the women. Um, one other note that I'm not sure how many people were aware of, uh, I didn't know until after I had watched the semifinals, uh, Dave Prezak of Shimmer was backstage alongside of Sarah Amato, of course, who is uh, one of the female trainers down at NXT, whose work down there is incredibly understated. Um, and then there's also been a note that Gabe Sapolsky of Evolve has been working backstage at NXT. How do you feel about them bringing in all of these I don't even know what you would call somebody like Gabe or Dave Prezak. The, these minds behind the indie promotions to work behind the scenes at NXT. Do you think that's a smart move for them? I think it's good business. You're bringing in the right people that know that know how to do the job. And it's only going to better your product. Last week you spoke about the importance of having Nigel remain with that NXT broadcast team so that he can tell the tale and really sell 
a lot of these new talents that are coming in to sell their in-ring work, to get them over with the audience. I think that's, this is the same thing we're seeing here. It's just behind the scenes. You know, bringing Gabe in, he knows the style that the fans here like. He knows these talents. He knows what's going to work for him. He's going to make them shine. Speaking of Gabe, uh, Evolve had an interesting press release the other day. They have evolved or announced that Evolve 92 and Evolve 93 events, uh, they'll both air on Flow Slam. Uh, one of the things I found interesting about the Evolve 92 card, September 22nd in Detroit, Michigan, Evolve champion Zack Sabre Jr. versus Davey Richards. Didn't we hear that Davey Richards was leaving the business and going to become a doctor? How many times has he done this, though? But, you know, it just isn't his backyard. So he might be just, you know, helping him out here. Uh, but it, uh, hey, I think it's a great match on paper. Oh, on paper. I think the match will be fantastic. I'd love to see the match. I just... Davey Richards back in the wrestling world. Just kind of you know, steamed out of nowhere to me. Let's see that. That's on the 22nd. That's right around the corner. If I don't have an event, that's an hour and a half drive. I might shoot on up there for that. Uh, the 23rd for Evolve 93 will be in Summit, Illinois. Uh, I think some other big news is that DJ Z is signed for both shows. On September 22nd, he'll face Fred Yehi. On September 23rd, Darby Allen. Uh, how do you feel about DJ Z being back in the mix? I think he had that. He was sidelined a little bit with that injury, but over the last year, he's done a great job getting himself out there, getting himself over. And I've always been been a fan of his in in ring work. DJ Z is one of the most very happy to see him doing well. Yeah, I, it's great to see him back. Uh, I was kind of worried if he would ever be back fully mentally. Uh, like, that's the kind of injury that I'm just not sure how in the world you come back from. I mean, we, we see that happen to athletes all the time. You take a, a somebody like Derek Rose, you know, that guy was a completely different ball player before he blew out his knee. I mean, DJ Z almost died in the ring. And, you know, with a comeback from something like that, it almost seems like he, he hasn't missed a beat. Not one. He looked great at Triple Mania. Definitely, definitely mad props to the guy. I, I really hope that he gets a, a good, solid run in Evolve. Hell, they're not using him at GFW. Hell, he even said in the video package on GFW that they're not using him at GFW. So. The, the feel-good story in DJZ. And then speaking of GFW, I guess we got a train wreck coming up next, right? Oh, my gosh. So I, I said jokingly on episode two that there were probably a half a dozen stories that had broken about GFW while we were recording that show. And it seems that part of that was right. <laughs> so It was within, uh, within the hour that we, when we hung up recording that, that I was, more news started breaking. I was watching gfw last night and trying to put together a timeline of events and it was just impossible that, that there's been so much information come out um so i guess we'll start with jeff jarrett it, it's been reported that there have been some issues with jarrett behind the scenes 
specifically what happened at Triple Mania, which I know I actually brought up to you before we even decided to do this podcast. I was like, oh, my God, did you see what Jared did? Any, any, I, I guess there's some really some deep rooted issues here. It that's how it sounds. That's what it sounds like to me, anyway. Um, that in coordination with they just signed the new deal with Pop TV. Um, and I think that Anthem was expecting to get a better TV deal. And it wouldn't surprise me if all these little things that just kind of kept piling up and piling up led to Ed Nordholm saying. Here's your walking papers, Jeff. Thanks for coming. So your assessment there is he came in promising the world to him. He was going to get everything going, take him to the next level, and not, and he was just was selling him a bag of shit. Well, yeah, because I, the, what has changed inside of GFW since Anthem took over the company that is a big surprise to them? I Nothing has changed. The yeah. only thing that's changed was the, the name on the marquee. I was going to say, you know, the only thing that's changed is they changed the colors, the name, and a, a couple uh, name plates on some office doors. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't understand the direction of the company. Uh, holy cow, I have so much information here. Um, Justin Perrazzo. Uh, of Sports Illustrated put out a story that I think you actually referenced that I hadn't seen yet uh, during last show um, that GFW is hemorrhaging funds. Sources close to the situation have confirmed that Anthem is ready to withdraw itself from the wrestling industry and sell GFW. Uh, Anthem even needed to gut the fight network uh, to in order to finance GFW. Another wrinkle in the story being that Jarrett still owns the name of Global, Global Force Wrestling, so Anthem would actually only be selling Impact Wrestling. My speculation as to what in the hell is going on here is Jarrett came in with the GFW name and convinced the Anthem people, let's go ahead and put it on there. No, you don't have to worry about buying it from me. We can take care of that later. We're partners. We're in this together. And eventually it was going to get to the point where Jarrett was going to use that as collateral, being like, hey, I own the name, looking for a big payday. And they cut him off at the balls before they could get that far. I just can't believe that a company like Anthem would allow for something like that to even, even take place. Especially you're going through a huge legal argument with the Hardys and WWE over this broken gimmick, and you're not going to be concerned about making sure you've got ownership over where what you're selling You don't even own your name, your and you're trying to say that you own the Hardys intellectual property. But you don't own the name of your own goddamn company. Really? It's just, it's just completely... I mean, it's... You know, that is very true. It's just completely asinine to me. Uh, their conference call last Wednesday featured Ross Foreman. He's the GFW PR person. Uh, he started off the conference call by saying no questions would be taken on Jeff Jarrett, and uh, they're 
statement that they put out was the only statement that would be available. There was no denial of this SI story, no denial of any potential sale. They just went to a mediocre interview with Johnny Impact. That they were being very protective. Very PR friendly. Very yeah. PR friendly. Um, then, uh, what's the, the date on this press release is 9-6. So this is also on Wednesday, correct? Was it 9-6 on Wednesday? Yes. Um, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, so, yeah. so on Thursday, yeah. then they release uh, this the press release. Was Wednesday, you're right. Uh, Global Force Wrestling, a subsidiary of Anthem Sports and Entertainment Group, announced today numerous global and digital expansion initiatives, including plans to launch the Global Wrestling Network, a multi-platform digital service designed to give fans around the world instant 24-hour access to the extensive GFW and Impact libraries. Rick, how extensive is the GFW library? There's, what, one season of bad TV that they couldn't even get on a network, so they're putting it on pay-per-view? That's your extensive GFW I library? I, I really I want to see more details on what they're really, what they're boasting as a network, what that truly is. Because we've seen, you know, there's some independent promotions out there that have their own networks, and it's nothing more than just a downloadable film library. I just want to see where they're really want to, where they're really going with this thing. The only library that's there that's worth anything is the TNA library, and it's only worth something to one person on the face of the planet, and his name is Vince. It ain't worth a damn dime to anybody else. Very true, and we as we were discussing yesterday, and you know Vince is going to wait around. He's gonna buy. He's gonna pay bottom dollar to get this damn thing. He's gonna pay nothing for it. He's gonna pay next to nothing for that if it goes on the market. Uh, the press release also goes on to say that they plan to launch an Impact Wrestling channel on Pluto TV, a 24-hour live feed of content on the leading over-the-top OTT television service in the U.S. Now, one thing that I would like to point out about this press release is it says that they plan to launch the Global Wrestling Network and they plan to put things on Pluto TV on the Impact Wrestling channel. Well, you know what? I plan to go to the moon before I'm 50. Whether or not it happens, who freaking knows? But I'm planning on it. This sounds like nothing more than a press release that a company that's looking to sell it would put out to make it seem like it has more value than it really does. Here's the simplest way to, to describe it is putting lipstick on a pig. Dress it up, trot it out there, and just hope hope that someone blindly jumps on jumps on what, whatever bullshit you're pitching. They also announced that they uh, signed the extension with Pop TV in the U.S., continuing to air its flagship weekly show, Impact, on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Announced a distribution deal for, with Germany, Australia, Switzerland. Um, the one thing that I did find a little uh, curious 
Impact showcases top professional wrestling stars such as GFW champion Eli Drake, Bobby Lashley, the high-flying X-Division, and the lovely Lethal Knockouts. I'm sorry, nobody's tuning in to see the X-Division, and they're not tuning in to see the Knockouts. They're tuning in to see individual talents. They're tuning in to see your stars, not the whole division. And I know this, this might be uh, to kind of jump on your unpopular opinion of the day. I've, I've been thinking this ever since, you know, when they were rebranding as Impact. It's time to get rid of the X Division. If they don't highlight it, it's so far gone from its glory days. You, it's the same as with the Cruiserweight Division. You see the style from all divisions, from all of your talent. I think it's run its course. Just a little side rant there. Although I do like that they put over that the 3,000-hour library features household industry names such as Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Sting, Kurt Angle, Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, AJ Styles, Samoa Road, Bobby Roode, and many more. One of these things is not like the others. Is anybody tuning in to see Jeff Jarrett? Really? He's popped right there in the middle with all the right great things. There, there in the middle. Can't stop putting Jeff Jarrett over. Just ridiculous. I'm actually surprised in the uh, when they were listing the divisions that they somehow didn't highlight Karen Jarrett. Yeah, it's a damn shame that, that they didn't somehow find a way to put over Karen Jarrett. It's usually where you find Jeff's name. She's not too far behind. I am going to throw my computer if these notifications don't stop. People just need to leave me alone. Just close the page. Um, so then the next day, uh, this comes out. This is from uh, Dave Meltzer. Uh, Ed Nordholm appeared on Wrestling Observer Radio Friday and spoke of the company's future. Uh, Nordholm is quoted as saying, we're invested in this company, we're growing it, and we know it's not going to turn around tomorrow. Uh, we do expect in the very near future that we will bring in our partners as well, uh, referring to a place for AAA talent and NOAA talent. Any wrestling content that's not related to the WWE. Uh, it sounds like their network is going to have a $7.99 pay tier and also feature free content. That's exactly what GFW needs right now. More expenses, like putting out a network to incorporate more free content. What kind of market is there really out there for a $7.99 GFW of GFW. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't understand what they're doing. Uh, then he also proceeds to go on and try to bury Vince. Um, I know full well how the WWE network would monetize the content and what they would pay for the library. It makes no sense for me to sell it for that kind of price. I'd rather keep it, put it on the app, and monetize it myself. 
Okay, so at least he understands that he ain't going to get shit for it. Well, we were discussing this yesterday. We were trying to figure out exactly what Vince paid for the ECW video library, and it came out to be $500,000. That's what he paid for the ECW library. There's no reason to think that he's going to pay more than $250,000, $300,000 for the TNA library. Well, you look at the ECW library, and its true value is tenfold what the TNA impact library is worth. Just because of its relevancy. Its relevancy alone. No, you're 100% correct there. Look what ECW did for the industry. I mean, it changed everything. It left a true mark. What in, in, in 20 years, when the company is dead and gone, what are we going to look back on when it comes to TNA to make them as like we do ECW now? Is there anything? Well, there's still, you know, there's still a huge fan base out there clamoring for something like ECW. They can't let it go. They want it. And you're not going to have anything like that 20 years after Impact, TNA, Global Force is gone. The closest thing that they have is Ring of Honor. And I would say that Ring of Honor is going to be looked back on much more fondly than TNA is going to be. I, I would agree 100%. You know, the only thing that they that they have going for them is that they were able to survive. They didn't thrive. They didn't make a mark. They didn't change anything. They just simply were there. Flash in the pan. That's their biggest accomplishment. Flash in the pan. Many more bad memories than good memories of TNA, Global Force Wrestling. Uh, They've also announced that Alberto El Patron will be back in time for Bound for Glory. My response to that is, let's see if Bound for Glory even happens, because I'm not sure that it's going to. I don't don't know know how they're going to have the capital to pull that off. I think they've already got so many plans in place for it that they're going to go through with it. Now, I don't know how great it's going to be. I don't know if the production value well, is going to be. Last year at Bound for Glory, the only way the show happened was because Billy Corgan came in and wrote them a check at the 11th hour so that the show would happen. There ain't no Billy Corgan coming this year. Well, we also had different ownership then. You know, we've got different people at the top. They're going to be able to find some funds. I'm very confident the show is going to go off. Now, the big question in my mind is, where does the company go after Bound for Glory? Is there a company after Bound for Glory? Uh, Speaking of Ring of Honor. Like we've been saying, though, you know, cockroaches, Twinkies, and TNA Impact Global Force, they just keep on going. Speaking of Ring of Honor. They don't fear North Korea. (laughs) <laughs> speaking of ring of honor uh there, there there seems to be some tensions rising in paradise as ring of honor and new japan seem to be having a little bit of an issue um ring of honor hasn't announced a defense of the iwgp united states championship in the united states yet uh he was recently asked by usa today Uh, if Omega would be defending the IWGP U.S. title in Chicago. Uh, Here is what Koff had to say. We defend our belts over there. 
I would expect that they would defend their belt over here. We have a terrific relationship with New Japan. Um, it would be very symbiotic. We wrestle in the same style. We book in the same way. I think at some point it could be defended here if they're wrestling on one of our tours. That would be fantastic. That kind of sounds like a shot at New Japan to me. Where do you think the New Japan Ring of Honor relationship is with New Japan trying to expand into the United States, Ring of Honor being based in the United States? Can those two companies continue to coexist together if New Japan is truly trying to expand into the United States? I think they need each other at this point. You know, they need to work side by side, combine their amazing talents together, use all their amazing resources to, to help one another, and just coexist together for, for this period of time. I mean, that's how you're going to move up the chain and really let everyone know that, that, you're, that you're there. And I didn't take what, what Mr. Kopp said as, as a direct shot, but he was talking, he was making a lot of sense. And this is a perfect opportunity. Let me get that this exposure over here. It's going to be and very, very up. interesting to see how that relationship continues to develop over the next year. Yes, yeah, so I, I, you know, I want to throw it, throw it back to you here because you have your finger on the pulse much more than I do with what goes on between those two companies. I mean, how, how would you see it playing out? I mean, do they, do they need each other right now, or could they start going separate ways? How I, do you think, see it going? I think that Ring of Honor absolutely needs New Japan. Um, I'm not sure how much New Japan needs Ring of Honor at this point. So I'm very intrigued to see how this relationship develops, especially with things at Sinclair being um, a little testy when it comes to Ring of Honor to begin with. Um, I'm still not convinced that Ring of Honor isn't available for purchase would the right bidder come along. I still think the smartest business move that could begin to take place if they have the capital would be for New Japan to outright buy Ring of Honor from Sinclair Broadcasting while maintaining their TV relationship deal with Sinclair Broadcasting and basically make Ring of Honor their American expansion. I think that makes the most dollars and cents. I think that's a tremendous idea. As long as you could secure... That television as long as you can secure the television deal because otherwise much like wcw it's worthless Correct. wcw without without the turner broadcasting deal that's why vince bought that company so damn cheap because there was no tv deal without the tv deal there's there was nothing there well that's you know that's what fell through for uh, for eric bischoff correct yep 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 when, without that time slot there, there was just no reason to buy the company. That's my understanding anyway. I'm sure on his podcast, Bischoff talks about that quite a bit. Now, with your pitched idea there, did you actually see that becoming a reality? Absolutely. Absolutely. I could absolutely see that becoming a reality. Uh, especially 
uh, if Sinclair and their purchase of Tribune Media uh, going forward, if they really do turn WGN into a rival of Fox News, CNN, and really take that step into a news platform, Ring of Honor isn't making Sinclair any money. That's just Ring of Honor is basically a bargaining chip in the Sinclair machine. And I don't think that Sinclair would be sad to part with it whatsoever. Would the right offer come along? I have no well, idea what that would cost. Wasn't the reason behind, you know, why they even picked up Ring of Honor? Because it's an easy cheap production forum that they can it's just content. run through their syndicate. Yep, yep, it's content. I mean, the the TV stations that I work for, I think we air the one-hour episode of Ring of Honor a total of like six times over the course of the weekend at six hours, six hours of original programming that we don't have to worry about filling. I, I don't have it available in the market here in Northern Ohio, but when I travel to Cincinnati, it's there and it's on all the time. Yep. It's like Thursday through Sunday. You can catch it at least, you know, once, sometimes two or three times a day. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's one of those shows that you can throw in anywhere. Like, say uh, say that you have a football game that runs 20 minutes over and network's not going to join anything in progress. So you just have to fill something for the next 40 minutes. Boom, throw Ring of Honor in there. Makes perfect sense. <clears throat> it's, it's almost like an infomercial for Sinclair. That's a pretty funny comparison. I like that. That's good. The match of the weekend, uh, New Japan is back, as we all know, thankfully. Uh, they have another show coming up this evening, I believe it is. Uh, the match of the weekend to check out, this was just crazy. This was a no-time-limit, 10-man tag elimination match. So basically, once you get pinned, you are eliminated. There was one lone survivor, and I'm not going to tell you who it was. I'm going to make you go watch the match. The match was Chaos, Rocky Romero, Will Ospreay, Toro Yano, Tamiro Ishii, Kazuchika Okada versus Los Ingobernables de Japón, Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito. It's a crazy car accident of a match. Very much fun. Highly recommend it. Pretty exciting, huh? Good stuff. Anytime you get Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay in the ring together, especially if you're following the best angle in professional wrestling right now, Hiromu Takahashi trying to convince Will Ospreay that he is, in fact, a cat. That's a I've Actually, thing. you turned me on to this. I started following it. I have to admit, you know, a lot of times I'll harp on some companies for what might be perceived as some, you know, cheesy, lowbrow booking. But this has been pretty entertaining. I've been enjoying it. It's one of those fun things that you just kind of get let your mind go on sometimes. And in case you're wondering why Hiromu Takahashi thinks that Will Ospreay is a cat, it's very simple. He always lands on his feet. Sometimes simple is really all you need. It's there because the reason behind it is rooted in genius. That's it for the special edition of the show. Be sure to contact the show and let us know what you think on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, or drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. 
Make for sure that you visit our iTunes page. Drop us five stars, only because you can't give us six, Mr. Meltzer, so that we're not forced to sick bad luck fale on you and have him tear you up like poor, poor Daryl. Leave us a nice comment if you feel so inclined. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the people stalk your social media? Give me a look up, uh, just hit my name, Rick Vickery, B-I-C-K-R-E-Y, on Facebook. Or you can find me over at Twitter, at TheRealRBV. And as always, I'm chatting it up in the WrestleZone discussion group on Facebook. Pop it in the, uh, the search bar there. Come on over. We've got uh, some great minds, some intriguing conversation, and we'd love to have everybody on board. That's episode two and a half of Hitting the Marks. We're off like a prom dress. We'll see you Thursday. See ya. Show me with your adoration. Engulf me with your disdain. Feed me your emotion. Feed me your energy. And watch me metabolize it and turn it into power. Feed me your energy. Feed me your